Welcome to In the Loop, the Charlotte area's podcast where we talk about anything Charlotte with area businesses and community leaders. Hi, Dr. Mike. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you. And let's just jump right on in. You know, I know that you opened a clinic over on Tuckaseegee Road and you were providing medical services to those who don't have easy access to medical services. They are in an underserved community. So you really had this mission and this vision and this purpose, which was so really needed and impressive to me. But man, you have gone from that little clinic to being a force of good in this community and beyond Charlotte in terms of COVID testing and COVID vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And I just, I know our listeners would love to hear about some of that journey and that story. So tell us about that. Sure. Um, you know, also by, uh, by trade, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a chiropractor. I uh, started in Charlotte over 22 years ago and um, all, all, Three of my practices that I've had over the over those time, that time period have always been in what are considered to be historically marginalized communities, where uh, the, there's been a lack of healthcare resources. And um, at, back when I used to practice, uh, you always used to be at a point of frustration when I needed to make a medical referral, and um, you know a patient either didn't have health insurance or they had Medicaid, and and there wasn't easy access to to providers. And so you know, at one point, I set a goal for myself that you know once I uh, once I turned a certain age, I'd be 40, that I would pay off all my bad debt. And, uh, and then I would uh, reallocate those, uh, what those debt payments used to be into partnering with a medical physician um, and looking for a way to, to make, a, uh, make a clinic work in, in a, what's historically been a very challenging area to, uh, to, to make a healthcare uh, business work and, uh, and, and have enough margin to be able to not just have that one center, but hopefully multiple centers. So I, uh, so we, uh, yeah, we took, uh, you know, 2018 is when we opened up and uh, we opened up one clinic and then another one. And they were just family care centers, urgent care um, that we called a hybrid model. And um, we provided at our Starmount management company, I provided all the management support from human resources, to recruiting, to compliance, to accounting, to all the you know, marketing, all the behind the scenes stuff. And, uh, and our medical director obviously took care of all the clinical protocols and so it took us it took us a while to get there. There was a lot we didn't know, and uh, and we were actually getting to the point where we're like, all right, you know what, we're, you know, there, there's going to be minor amount of margin in this, but we're providing a tremendous service to the community, and that was our that's our goal is just you know hopefully get in there and just make a difference. So, um, and then a random decision at the end of 2019, we we're walking, you know, I was doing a tour of the clinic with somebody, and uh, we talked about putting a putting additional lab equipment equipment in to do some of our testing in-house where that could, you know, hopefully uh, create um, some value, people, you know, not having to wait an extra amount of time and, and maybe draw some revenue so we can make up the gap. And, uh, but by making that, that change, we, uh, we changed the status of our, our, our lab to allow for it to be what's known as a high complexity lab, which then a couple months later in January, we saw what was happening over in China and we put an order in for our first thermal fissure. And, if we had waited even a few more weeks, I don't know if we would have gotten that piece of laboratory equipment. And that's what kind of enabled us to uh, 
to start to be known as a COVID testing center um, in Charlotte. And, and from that point on, multiple counties started reaching out to us. Eventually the state reached out to us and asked if they could formalize it. And, and uh, you know, it, it just continued to go from that point where we just continued to hire, hire and hire. I mean, we, we've probably onboarded over the last two, two years, probably over 5,000 people now. I mean, as of right now, we still have only about 2,000 people um, employed, but uh, you know, we've our recruiting department, administrative office, everything you know, ramped up to be able to support the needs of COVID services, not just here in Mecklenburg, but really, we're all the way out of the east east part of the state, Onslow County, Jacksonville, Wilmington. Uh, we kind of spread out uh, wherever the need was, wherever the state said this is where there's a need. We we just kind of tried to figure out a way to get there and, and do it. That's amazing. And there was a little bit of a, a prescient thing there. You mentioned uh, the timing of having to order that that uh, equipment just at the most perfect time. Um, and little did you know, right? So it's a story of, of really being aware of opportunities, but also being agile and dealing with all the bumps along the road because just, you know, that was like drinking from the fire hose, I'm sure. No, it's, it, it certainly was. Um, there, there was times where, you know, obviously we ramped up with all this new personnel and our payroll was increasing, but we couldn't bill out fast enough to get to get our reimbursements to pay our payroll. So, I mean, when I when I say I had to take a, I had to take a million and a half dollar loan just to make payroll uh, at one point over a year and a half ago. Um, no, I don't think people would believe that today, but that was where we were at. Um, and it was just, you know, it was, it was just like, what was, what was next? And just being able to come into the office and every day and just, I mean, I think we're all wired this way a little bit here at Starmount, but we kind of love problems. Um, you know, everybody says I'm good at putting out fires half the time I caused them. I'm being I'm told also, <laughs> but, uh, um, but no, it's, uh, you know, and, and some of it, you know, we, we just got better and better at using looking at what resources were available to us and maximizing the value of that resource. And uh, I mean, just, you know, back in, it was August, once we saw that ultra low freezers might be needed for, for vaccine storage, um, we were told not to do that because they were going to come in self, uh, self, you know, uh, cold storage. And, uh, but we kind of said, you know, let's, let's go ahead and we just be safe. And, and we needed it because once the demand dropped down, we had, we had more ultra low freezers to store vaccine than than anybody else in the entire state. So uh, we've 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 done a little bit of everything. We're a storage center. We've uh, we figured out how to create these monoclonal antibody therapy clinics across the state. Anything that's COVID related, we've just kind of created a little uh, niche to be able to support the health departments, even some of the local hospital systems. Our attitude has always been, you know, whatever we can do to take the pressure off the healthcare systems so that they can focus on the bigger picture items people that put off having surgeries done, things of that nature, whatever we can do to, you know, say, you know, if this is our job during the pandemic, um, there'll be other things for us to do, you know, after the pandemic's over. But right now, this is a, this is what we, this is what we're here for. That's great. What if, you know, obviously the road has, has not been, you know, paved with gold, shall we say. Um, what are some of the lessons learned? There have been challenges absolutely for you and, can you talk a little bit about maybe some lessons learned? Yeah, sure. Patience. Um, you know, it's a, you know, learning how to deal with, uh, as a private, as a private organization, learning how to deal with government, um, and the rules and regulations required, 
that, that were, there was a huge learning curve to that. And, uh, you know, obviously someone with an entrepreneurial mindset with, everybody says I have ADHD, but um, when you like to move fast and sometimes you need to restrain yourself with patience and, uh, and, and making sure that systems and processes and workflows are in place, um, it, there's just a, we did a tremendous amount of growing this uh, during this pandemic. And it's just exciting because the, the growth hasn't just, it's created growth capital so we can take on some additional challenges that we've, we've thought about years prior to this. Um, and we have some incredible personnel down this administrative hallway down here that um, brought in some talent from multiple fields, not just healthcare. We've brought in a lot of people that have great experience that myself and, and my, my chief operating officer, Tracy Hummel, that, that we didn't have prior to the pandemic. We've, we've shored up a lot of the a lot of our weaknesses, and we've gotten a lot of forward thinkers right now. So it's, it's exciting. Dr. Michael, I'd like to ask you about, you know, so since you were a smaller business and new, but you have that entrepreneur spirit, what were the advantages of that to your growth so quickly, opposed to being somebody that was very large already in place? Could you talk about that? Sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, with, with any organization as, as it grows, you know, once you get, you know, mammoth side, like some of our hospital systems or banks or like, you know, tech companies, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to be nimble. We were probably just about the right size. We weren't too small not to be able to pull this off, but we weren't too big is that we had to run th everything through a committee before we could make a decision. So it was almost like we were the, just the right size. And I think that's something that I always want to be mindful as we continue to create our growth plan how can we, uh, how can we maintain that, for lack of a better word, main, maintain the nimbleness, of, if that's a word, um, uh, of, of an organization that's still medium-sized when, uh, you know, when we're looking to expand services into, um, you know, uh, we have our nonprofit now, the Blessing Foundation, which sounds like a religious organization. That's my mom's maiden name. Um, and, you know, so we... We're, we're, we're doing things that they're in the community right now, looking to open up um, primary care centers uh, in those underserved areas, as well as uh, everything from, you know, we, one of the challenges was always trying to find somebody that needed, you know, special imaging, um, you know, that, that was affordable. Anything where we can plug ourselves in and be, be of value, not just to the community, but also to the health departments and, and hospital systems, things that, you know, like you said, maybe it's, it's, it's nothing. It's not necessarily something they don't want to do, but it's just something that's a lot more difficult for a larger organization to do. If we can, if we can fill that need and fill that gap, then then so be it. We we would love that challenge and opportunity. That's awesome. Where do you see the the biggest opportunities for um, impact, growth, service? Well, I mean, right right now we definitely. Uh, it's like I was just mentioning before, trying to find those those gaps, uh, things that. It, like I said, it's not necessarily people that other organizations don't want to do. It just might be difficult for them to do. So, um, you know, even just simple primary care, um, you know, for, for people without insurance, they, I guess they call it the donut hole. Um, it's, it's those that uh, might make too much to be uh, eligible for Medicaid, but not enough to afford private insurance. They're in those types of jobs where it makes it difficult to afford, uh, afford care uh, insurance. Um, trying to figure out a way to provide services to to, to those individuals, um, and our challenge is it's not we can figure that out. There's a, there's not a lot of margin in, in primary care. Any any doctor will tell you that. But um, 
but our challenge is building out a referral network um, for specialists for those patients. Because when someone comes in and they have something that's beyond the scope of what's something we can do in one of our offices, you know, we're really trying to, to you know, and, and it's going to it's going to take working with the with the hospital systems and any other specialty care providers um, to build that network and and be willing to see patients that you know make you know less than you know thirty five thousand dollars a year and don't have health insurance and but they're not eligible for Medicaid. That's such a challenge, and uh, it would just it would it would be wonderful to be able to figure out a, a long term solution here in Mecklenburg County, and then really just kind of take that you know, take that concept of that, you know, that, that we've created elsewhere in North Carolina and hopefully beyond someday. But that's, that's one of our major goals here going into, going into the future. It sounds great. So it's all about collaboration and partnerships and building that, mm -hmm. that infrastructure, if you will, so that you are able to, to provide service and plug in. That's Absolutely. So do you have a proudest moment <laughs> well, uh, Diane, you should know this better than anybody. I, I, used be, I used to be terrified of public speaking. Um, and, uh, well, thank you for coming to my workshop. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so she's fantastic. Uh, within four hours, I, I mastered it. No, I mean, not just that. I mean, I obviously, you, you've, you've helped me uh, this year, but I... Uh, uh, just the experience, just getting used to doing news interviews uh, and... Uh, and really, the, the news media—I know they have a job to do. So not all the reporting uh, can always be nice and friendly, but uh, they, especially here and in, uh, in, in the Charlotte area, a lot of great reporters that were really helpful these past couple of years, getting the word out. And and uh, and that you know, I think that was the one thing that terrified me the, mo the most initially was just getting out and talking. But now I've gotten used to it. Yeah. Well, you're a natural, no doubt about it. It's all about authenticity, and you have that for sure. Absolutely. It's easy to talk off the cuff when you, when you know, you know, you have a little well, idea. Talking well, about. <laughs> well, you have the knowledge and you have the passion and that's, uh, that's clear. That's for sure. So what does um, StarMed, StarMount look like in three years? Uh, so, you know, just increase, as I was mentioned before, plugging those holes, um, looking, you know, we, we, uh, something even as simple as uh, putting in a pharmacy in, in our area where 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 patients without insurance can can you know none of this stuff and, and quite honestly if people that know me really well understand i i, I uh, you know everybody you need to make money to run a business but if if we can figure out um, ways to add value um i can't, I can't remember all the times i've failed um and and i know i failed way more than i've succeeded but um, and how much probably money that I've wasted over, over my career on things that didn't work. Um, but I'll say, you know, just if, if, if we can always look for things that are going to add value to, to the community, um, maybe not all the time that the compensation will follow. And when it does follow, it allows us to take on that next challenge, um, and, and expand beyond there. And, and, uh, you know, it's really exciting with our, with our blessing foundation right now, that's, that's been created and, and, and we're looking to create the blessing primary care centers um, is to, uh, you know, we have, we have a great board right now, a very uh, a thought diverse uh, individual, a lot, a lot of diversity on the board to, to help bring in what we read, need right now um, to expand further. And I think that's probably the thing that the blessing foundation was actually started four years ago. Um, I was actually, it was going to be a tutoring center for kids. And, uh, 
and I was just, you know, I was going to follow this model that my mother told me about down in, in Florida where she used to uh, donate her time. And uh, I just love, I, I love the idea of all my family are school teachers. I was the only one that didn't go into teaching, but I do have a, a definite passion for teaching. And so opening up the foundation, that's what it was supposed to be. We, uh, we, we acquired two houses here on the West side and we were just going to find a way to be have a tutoring center for kids that, you know, maybe the school kind of doesn't have what they, they need or, or their parents can't afford primary, uh, private tutoring. So, but now, I mean, we might, we're probably still going to do that someday. I don't know when it'll be, but the, the real need right now is to be able to use this, use this foundation um, from a healthcare standpoint to, uh, to provide services that, you know, hopefully will we'll fill that gap. Oh, I love that concept. Yeah. I'm with you on the tutoring center. So <laughs> if that ever comes through, let me know. Um, the, oh, one, yeah. the, the one thing I, when you were talking that I thought like, wow, I would like to see him successful at is, is not having any lines going into white tents. <laughs> I'm like, that's what you can do. Um, and then the other thing is, I'm just glad that you're willing to try things. And if you fail, you fail. And if it doesn't make you money, but you're willing to give that effort to say, let me think outside the box and let me try this. I love that. I just absolutely totally agree with that. Thank you for saying that. I, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's funny you talk about lines. Nope. Nobody would believe this, but you know, over the last year, I mean, even last year during the thick of I, my COO, myself, it didn't matter if you were in here dealing with high level decisions. When those lines got long, we would scatter across the county wherever there was. I mean, I was, I was directing traffic down at Matthew's um, site. I've been over here at the Takasiji site with icicles on my eyelashes because it was freezing rain and I was out. And you know, obviously, some people don't show up for work when they're on the schedule. So anything we could do to, to, I, I was uh, back when I used to see patients, I couldn't stand making people wait. I, it was just, I would, you know, I used to drive my staff crazy because I come back early from lunch and I would walk out into the, the reception and actually pull patient, call patients back myself. Um, so seeing those lines, it was painful. Um, and during the surge, when we went from testing 4,000 patients a week to 40,000 patients a week, we were, I was in the lab myself helping to a session and get samples run through because there, we planned on the numbers doubling. We didn't, I mean, actually we planned on them going up a fact, you know, most we tested the previous year was around 65,000, um, in a month, one month period, we tested 145,000. Um, and there was very little that could prepare you for that type of surge. And, uh, yeah. So like some, for somebody that has like a customer service mindset, I, it was painful. There were some people that were really angry and upset. They were waiting on test results. Um, and we tried to respond to every single one of them personally, but the reality was over 80% of people still did get, did get the results in the last 72 hours, but 20% of 145,000 people is a lot. We can't stay static no matter in good times or bad times, right? So this was like kind of a reminder, God, you cannot stop looking for ways to get better and improve and grow and, and make a greater impact. So how can people get involved with the foundation it would be, it sounds amazing. So no, it's cool that we're doing this right now. We're, we're right in the middle of uh, recruiting for our executive director. Um, and uh, so if, if you do go to our sarmed.care website, one of the tabs is Blessing Foundation. So um, I have to check to see if there's a, if there's a, uh, either a volunteer or position, paid position uh, link on that. Because mm -hmm. like I said, this is a, 
we've had the foundation for you know several years now, but um, but we're now really starting to utilize it. Hopefully, within the next few months, we actually have uh, the the blessing primary care centers up and going because we uh, we already have the space, we already have the the team to do it with. So it's just a matter of transitioning. But uh, yeah, so I would just go to any of our recruiting pages of StarMed, and if you want to work for the nonprofit division, um, just put that in your uh, in the, in your in your application. Well, thank you, Dr. Michael, and thanks for being on In the Loop with the Charlotte Area Chamber. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on In the Loop, the Charlotte Area's Chambers podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.charlotteareachamber.com, where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a show. If you'd like to sponsor our podcast, please contact us via our website. Mm-hmm.